Hey everyone, what's up? We are here on ARW Raw today with a very incredible friend of mine, a Grammy winning, multi Grammy winning artist and incredible composer, um, my friend Kit Wakely. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm honored. Of course, um, you're just so incredible, and I could not do the end of this uh, season without you. This is either the second to last or last episode of season two of ARW Raw. So very exciting. Um, before ah, we jump into everything, yeah, before before everything, um, I wanted to plug your stuff because everyone needs to see your social media. His social media is at Kit Wakely. So check him out because he posts some really cool stuff over there. Ah, thank you. I'll take the I'll take the the street cred. Oh, you always say that, but you're OG, like you deserve the street cred. <laughs> you're literally like OG music royalty for real. I'll take it. I mean that. And um, you live in Oklahoma City, right? Yeah, just out, yeah, Oklahoma City, a suburb of, of that town, yeah. But you fly all around the world. I uh, tell me some tell me something about that to start off the show. What what is it like traveling the world, traveling the US for all of your um awards and all of your uh events and everything like that? Wow. Um it's tiresome. You know, Oklahoma City's definitely home, but I would say you know, we spend at least six months away. So if it's New York or, or uh, L.A., uh, Nashville, Austin, you know, for recording or things like that or things related to the, you know, the Academy. And then we have another uh, place in Cabo. And then um, obviously, you know, I like to go to London to do a lot of my bigger uh, recordings. So it, it takes us away. Um, and, you know, there's times do I do I get a place in New York and one in LA to kind of make it work. I don't know, but uh, right. tiresome, but fun. It seems like it. And it seems like so overwhelming with um, your adoptive children and your home that you have to maintain. How do you balance all of that? You know, um, when, when we adopted, we made the conscious decision that we weren't going to slow down. And the blessing of that is I grew up in a small town and it was very sheltered. And I wanted, I wanted these children to experience more than, you know, a small state, small, you know, small town, et cetera. So we just made up our mind that they were going to go with us. So they usually go with us to most places. Um, we, we, mm-hmm. because of the chaos that's involved, um, we take a nanny with us and yeah, you know, at this time they, they're, they're just, it's not the appropriate uh, form for them uh, or they're going to get bored or whatever. So the nanny is a great resource for us, but it allows them to be able to see the world. It allows them us to, I, I don't, I don't want to miss key moments in them growing up. That's so incredible. And I really just love you as a person. The first time we met um, for all the Westies and Kit Wakely fans listening to this, um, we first met at Kit's event about, um, it was about global music and it was, it was about um, really just celebrating all of the nominees um, season. And what I found so inspiring about Kit was that he was so welcoming, so kind, so generous just with everyone who came to this event. And me, I'm a new member of this year for the Grammys and the Recording Academy as a voting member. So I really just felt like so much great energy from you. And I really just felt so welcomed and 
that's why I initially want to have you on the show. But then I was like, wow, you're a great friend. Like we text a lot back and forth and you really give great advice about how I'm going to get nominated for a Grammy one day. And you have the right campaign people like Greg and all those great people. And you're just so like, you're just so generous and so welcoming to everyone. I just had to say that. Oh, thank you. I just believe in paying it forward. Uh, people helped me along the way. And uh, I think that, you know, we all need that extra hand up or however you want to phrase it. And yes. it's my job to do that. And I'm really grateful for that. And I really want to reflect that going forward in my career. I'm trying to mentor a few people. Uh, my lawyer, you probably know her, Rachel Stillwell, who's on the board. Yeah. Um, yeah. She, so she's my lawyer, top 10 billboard lawyer. Shout out to her. She's coming on the show soon. But she told me, she was like, you don't want to become a member of the committees yet or of like the Grammy U stuff because I'm just a new member. Like I'm just trying to take it all in. And then when I'm at the position to, I want to pay it forward and help. Yeah. Yeah. You get it. I mean, you couldn't, she's, she's a heck of a mentor. So you're, you're blessed. That's when I started working with her and it really showed me that like there are people who actually value indie rap music and like we'll get into this with your genre but the fact that you do like classical but also EDM but also rock but also a million other things is like you're making your own genre and I think that's so cool and um, you deserve so much respect for that and all the Grammys and everything because like it's like you were saying, like we were messaging about it a while back. You were like, the Grammys isn't what's important. It's about like the community and about like recognizing each other as artists, which is so key because people could just get up on that stage and be like, oh, I want a Grammy or whatever. But like, that's not what matters. What matters is like how you're going to use it to change the community. Bingo. You nailed it. What is it like to have, how many have you won now? Well, I've been on, uh, I, how many Grammy winning albums have I been on? Um, I've been on a few, let's say a few to keep it safe. And then <laughs> this was the first one I get to say, it's mine, my trophy, my win, etc. So this is my first one to say, yes, it's mine. Um, and it's nice you get to share it with Star and all those other incredible people. Oh my gosh, yes, yes, absolutely. You know, at your event, I was sitting next to her and she started talking to me. She was like, I love your sparkly dress. And we just started talking and she was like, she was super just very kind and very um, willing to offer advice. And she gave me the exact same energy as you. So when I found out she was on your album and she works with you really closely all the time, I was like, of course, because like she's the exact same energy as you. So of course she works with you. <laughs> do you do you know Star's background? No, I don't really know much about her. So I'm, I'm not sure how familiar you are, but um, when we were younger, there was a, a talk show on called the Arsenio Hall Show. And it was extremely popular. I mean, obscenely. It was it was killing the late night show. It was, it was killing uh, Letterman. It was just it was taking over. And she was the band leader for that talk show. Um, wow. The the I don't know producers of the show. I, my understanding is they they felt like they could make another move on um, another network, and that network. Uh, took him out of his time slot and just, you know, uh, but for six years, the guy just dominated uh, the ratings. Oh, she I've, was heard, his. I've heard of it. I'm only 25, so I wasn't really around for that, but I've heard of yeah. it a ton from my family. Yeah, so she was the band leader. And then from there, uh, I mean, she's played with everyone from Whitney Houston. I mean, name the megastars. She's played with them. And then 
she can call when you're when you're recording with her and you need the best of the best. She just picks up the phone and calls people that you never dreamed that you could call. And then and when you're sure hanging out with for you to London to wherever you need her. She is amazing. Um, it's and when you're having dinner with her and her husband or just hanging out, they start dropping all these mega celebrity names, but not to name drop. But rather, that's part of their life. That's what they do. So, you know, if you're talking about your your lawyer, it's natural to talk about, you know, drop, you know, talk, say her name. Well, when they're talking about, well, I played the Oscars last year or I, I did this with Sharon Stone the other day or I did this with, you know. So, I mean, it's just, um, you know, I, I, one of my first experiences was, yes, Eddie's just so quiet and he, you, you'd be surprised how Eddie, how quiet he is. I'm like, Eddie. Well, yeah, Eddie Murphy. But anyways, I'm like, oh, okay. Who gets to talk about <laughs> Eddie Murphy in that, you know? Yeah, it's like just, she's an amazing musician. Friends. It's just their yeah. friends. That's really cool and really um, humbling because there's so, as you know, there's so many people in the music industry and I don't find this with the Recording Academy. It's mostly like new artists who just like, you know, they blew up on TikTok or they just like had a number one to the top. Just like, on there than beyond sam baird and so and so and like that's what all these like new artists who don't really have any like accolades or, or affiliations are all about but everyone from the academy is always very humble and very um willing to mentor and very uh down to earth is what i would say yeah and I, I think one of the things that helps with the academy once you're part of that and obviously you are now you'll see that 99 percent of the academy academy members know hey look we're in this fraternity we're we're supposed to be professionals and if you're going to talk about your um your resume it's very easy to fact check and before you start bragging about your resume someone else may have a bigger one in the room and by the way there's somebody else with a bigger room and so it's just it's a very it's neutralizing and you don't have to put on airs of your resume it speaks for itself exactly and i think that's it People don't know, I was on an MTV show with Cardi B. I had my own Snapchat series. I'm a Playboy model, all this stuff. I never talk about that really to people when I meet them. So that's why I try to be just humble and down to earth. And people will yeah. be much more willing to just know me as a person rather than, oh, Cardi B, oh, Playboy, oh, like USC. It's like, you know, people just get so caught up in those names or those brands that honestly, I prefer not to mention that because then people are going to talk to me just for that reason. Yeah, you want them to get to know you. And then after they, you know, understand your character and your vibe, then you can add the sizzle of the things that, you know, that character and vibe is what brought you those other opportunities. Exactly. And I think that's important to reflect upon, like, what we've done to get where we are. And I think that's a really good segue into talking about um, your upbringing. Like, what was the city? What was the small city you lived in? Like, what was that like? And um, what was it like being... Um, having such a like turbulent childhood what was that what was that like for you you know um, obviously that story is well documented now I never talked (laughs) about that part of my life until this past year never Um, we just yeah with your album adoption story um, for everyone who hasn't heard it go check it out it's about it's well he's about to tell you now but it's about a really oh yeah so you know, I never talked about that stuff. It, we're a very private family. And, um, you know, I always have kind of like you don't want to you, you want people to know you for you. And I don't want to distract from that. And so, um, you know, I, when I was put up for adoption and, and, um, um, 
you know, after foster homes and things like that, as you said, turbulent. Um, I grew up in a small town. Actually, the town I grew up in was less than 100 people. And eight what miles town? away was, a, it was called Spalding, Oklahoma. And I mean, wow. it was a small, you know, not even a stoplight, just a, wow. uh, we had a stop sign. Wow. And so, um, but we lived eight miles outside of a town that had a whopping 7,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I went to school and things. And so, right. um, beautiful people, wonderful people, but I couldn't wait to get out of that town. I mean, it just, it right. wasn't for me. Um, and so I went to college and from college. And, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but I wouldn't be here without that small town and all the people who were so loving and giving and fostered my, my youth and growing up, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a place for me. And then, you know, you, I went to college, um, went to grad school because to back up, I got into music when I was just a kid. I didn't have an identity and um, learned how to play the trumpet. But girls like guitars and keyboards and stuff a whole lot better. Uh, <laughs> drums. And so I navigated towards that direction. And so by the time I got in college, I was in various bands and I wasn't ready to grow up when I graduated college. So which college? I, was- uh, University of Oklahoma. Nice. So that was in Norman, Oklahoma, and just outside of Oklahoma City. And um, it was a cool vibe because we traveled all over um, Texas and uh, Kansas and Arkansas and Colorado. And, um, you know, that's where things started to flourish for me um, as far as from childhood to, you know, being an adult and trying to figure out how I was going to make my, my path or way in life with music. Um but the rest is kind of well documented as far as being adopted and, and just all those, you know, things that filled in the blank for this recent album. But whatever questions you have on that, feel free to kind of just dissect, you know, how we got there. So, oh, that's great. So anyone that was that was wonderful. And so anyone who wants to know the full story, you can Google Kit Wakely adoption story and you can really delve into his media about that. But I would love Kit if you could talk about what you spoke about at the um, celebration of music event regarding um, your sister and how you were separated from her and how you guys came back together and that whole story, because I thought that was just, honestly, I felt like you were telling a story of like some freaking movie or something like a Matthew McConaughey movie or something. I was like, this has to be like, you know, like, um, like a fictional idea for an album, right? Like when you first started talking, but then you really got into it. And I was like, this guy's life is like, a movie for real um the story is pretty is pretty well documented at this point my sister and i we we live with our mother who was single um unfortunately we lost her through you know not the best of circumstances and so we ended up in an orphanage uh the type of orphanage was the kind that you would see on tv of, you know all the twin beds on each side of the wall and everybody that's where that's the room we all shared and eventually we ended up in foster care the foster home didn't last long. Um, we would go from home to home and, wow. you know, one of the foster homes we stayed in was, you know, it was abusive, uh, oh from God. a number of, uh, angles. And so unfortunately what happened is my sister and I, uh, one day the social workers show up and they took her from the home and left me by myself. But the blessing was, my sister clearly told them what was going on in the home. And a few hours later, the police were there with a social worker and they took me out. Um, oh my God. And I was, I just felt like she saved my life that day. 
Um, and then it wasn't too long after that that I was blessed to be adopted and they were wonderful parents. Um, just, you know, they're, they're responsible for all the successes I have from, from a job to music to marriage to everything. Um, wow. adult, I, uh, I had been looking for my sister for all that time. Cause remember we had been through some traumatic experiences, you know? So you were like, where did she go? Get, like I need to find her. Yeah, exactly. And she had been doing the same thing. Cause you know, the last thing we remember is we were both getting, you know, beat on and everything else that you can think of. So we had to protect each other. And now that environment's gone and that bond is gone. Right. So as an adult, I was reaching out, trying to find her from every angle I could. In fact, I looked for her all my life, even in high school and things. And wow. unfortunately, I came in contact with one person that told me that, you know, she had died. My sister had died on her way home uh, from being adopted, which would have meant that she died the day that she told the people about uh, what was going on in the foster home. So it's just, yeah. So I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. This is, this is unreal, but I had closure. And so about a year later, I get this message from a lady that said, Hey, I'm your sister. And what I didn't realize is she was African-American. Um, and through a series of circumstances, I realized she really was my sister. And yeah, you uh, realize she yeah, we were, yeah, we just had a different father. Um, and when you're young, you don't see race. You don't see. Yeah, you don't realize that. Like when your mom is single, you just think, oh, like we're both her kid. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's unfiltered. And so we reunited. And it wasn't too long after that that uh, my wife and I, we were already in the process of adopting and wanting to adopt a little boy. But we got a call right before COVID that said, hey, look, we've got these three children. We don't want to have to separate them. Would you be willing to take all three of them in? And I, yeah. what are the what are the chances that I reunite with my sister after all these years, wishing we had never been separated, and now I have an opportunity to keep that from happening? And so that's what led to us adopting three children, um, siblings, all you know, six, six, four, and three at the time. Wow. I can't even imagine that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's definitely things that you would think of in a movie. Um, almost, there's so many other layers to that that it's just. For example, when on a Tuesday before I was supposed to play Carnegie Hall in New York, um, I got I got a call and they said, "Hey, we're shutting we're shutting Carnegie Hall down." You were shut, we're shutting the city down. And it was just unbelievable because of this thing called COVID. Yeah. And so I have a call, you know, remember you, you're, you got trucks going to New York, you know, with rigging and you got all your, your crew and roadies and everyone going to go do their thing. And so you had to call all that off. And plus I, you know, you invest in these shows. So you just lost all that money. So I'm on my way home, just defeated. And my wife called and said, Hey, look, I've got some strange news for you. We just got a call and they want us to bring in these three children to keep them from being separated. I'm like, Oh my gosh. I, wow. Uh, by the way, they want, it's an emergency placement and they want us to bring, they want us to meet the kids on Friday. 
my Wasn't that strange? COVID shuts everything down. If COVID had not shut New York City down, we would not have met the kids and they would have went to another home. And so there's just so many layers of what the heck, how, what are the chances of this story? Um, and I'm blessed that all those things came to fruition uh, in our favor. I think that's incredible. And I think everything definitely happens for a reason. And I think that it just, it just changed your life for the better that that happened. And you live such a crazy life where you're so busy. You're like this music man who's, you know, going from London to New York to LA to doing all this stuff. And I think that really helped you probably slow down, I would imagine, and really see like what matters in life. Because when you're just surrounded by the energy of like, the music industry it just gets so draining sometimes and it seems like your kids really bring you um that great energy and help you feel um invigorated to keep going yeah they're they're good about the whole the whole premise of having kids keeps you pretty grounded it, at least it should most people um you know because i always tell people i had a vision for winning Grammys and I had a vision for playing, you know, large venues, but my purpose was to adopt three kids and provide a home. And uh, knowing that that was my purpose be in check that all these other things are accolades, having children and a, a beautiful family that that's success. And I, I always hope people can recognize the difference. A lot of people don't, I think, and I definitely want to be a parent one day. And I think it's important to realize, like, you need to do what um, matters to you still when you're a parent. Like, I'm not a parent yet, so I couldn't, like, I, I want, definitely want you to talk about this. But from my point of view, it's like, it's great to do Playboy. It's great to, you know, do the Grammys. It's great to do all these things. But, you know, once you have kids, they're the priority. Like, obviously, you can keep doing all this stuff, but, like, your kids are your priority once you have kids. Yeah, because when you have kids, you're, you're, you're setting up a legacy. How, but what I do for these kids or the impact I make is going to impact them, their kids, their friends, their jobs, their coworkers. Their, I mean, it's a legacy. And you don't even have to have kids. Maybe you're a teacher and you have a legacy of the impact you make on those students. That's far better than right. winning a good Grammy. It may not seem like it at the time. But God's not going to ask to see my Grammy when I go before him someday. He's going to ask to see my character. That's how I feel, and, too. I'm pretty religious. And it's like when you at the end of the day, like God and like the universe and however, you know, whatever anyone listening to this believes in. It's like at the end of the day, like you're being seen on who you are, and what you've done in life, not like what awards you want or what you wore on the red carpet or what who you knew um, who was famous. And they're they're giving you hookups for special tickets to things like that's not what matters in life you know no absolutely not uh, i think more people need so, to yeah, understand great that especially in my generation you know i'm just i actually have lived in hollywood the last four years and before that i went to usc so i've lived in two places where it's very um a lot of people are very egotistical you know they're all about themselves they're all about like i want money i want fame i want this i want this car i want this house um, and, you know, I'm just really sick of that energy. So I'm actually moving to the Malibu area because I'm just really tired of um, people constantly like just wanting stuff from me and just, you know, really having that transactional um, energy. And, and you're, you're, I, I love the area you're wanting to relocate to. I, I love the Malibu area. It's my favorite place, man. And they're, they're actually, um, you know, the Aviator Nation store um, 
the pier they're opening a new music venue so like they have live music all the time over there now so i'm like hey oh, yeah. you know, they want me to do some gigs there so i was like i'm down i mean i just got tired after doing my viper room residency and all those shows at the troubadour and the study and stuff it just gets exhausting the energy here you know sure and you know when you think about malibu and and uh santa monica palisades or i even i you know the whole newport area uh in that area is great so all of that lots of wonderful places. i love it i love that and i think that's very similar to what you do because like you obviously stay in the mix but you kind of have your like safe haven that you go to where it's you feel like you're very grounded and it seems like you have a really good energy over there um in oklahoma city and then you can go and travel and do all this stuff but it's not like you're trapped somewhere and you're you're some people feel like if they move or they move out of new york city or whatever they're gonna feel trapped and it's like i i love the energy of malibu thousand oaks newport you know um, um agora hills where my lawyer lives calabasas that type of stuff like and my choreographer lives in that area so it's like you know i see a lot of people who live in that area and they're just much happier and more peaceful it's like if everything's already from home besides a few events and photo shoots why not live outside the city you know drive in when you have to you know like i think that's really important um for especially my generation because as i was saying a lot of people my generation they're not they're not like you like that's why i really value you as a mentor kit because you're just you're just like legit about everything you do you're not doing anything for the face value of it and there's just so much of that and like you're really refreshing because especially for someone my age it's like everyone around me, like i've had to lose so many friends once i did the grammys and all the other it's it's just crazy to me, um the people who come out of the woodwork and i think that's a really good transition into talking about um what inspires your music what type of people are around you because you definitely have some really stellar people around you as we mentioned with star and like all of the people from the academy um i'd love if you de delve into that because and also bridge the gap between like when you were in college and then when when you started doing carnegie hall and doing um the you know the studio that the beatles recorded at and all of that stuff like where what was that like i know i'm asking you a lot at once but basically how did you go from like graduating college and wanting to be a music to be life and then what type of people are around you slash yeah you know as far as college, I ended up at grad school because I wasn't ready to grow up yet and I could still be in bands. Um, and then right, as, I, right. as I got older, um, we toured with a lot of the major label acts, but not famous label acts. And we then started to open up for uh, bands that weren't quite hitting on all cylinders anymore. So if it was a, a Motley Crue at the time or a a poison or a warrant or some you know a lot of those 80s bands or 90s bands and we did a lot of that and you know to be honest with you, pardon i said that's great yeah but as you do that you realize it's not what you think yeah you, some of the people not all of them some of them become parodies of themselves some of them are miserable um i didn't like the lifestyle many of them are you know living and at that point I also had uh, two daughters and I was a single parent with with sole custody yeah and so I had to navigate from that and pursue music from the angle of you know just writing and and recording and doing licensing and things of that nature and over time you know I, I was deviating 
into my favorite music. So I might do sync and licensing for electronic or dance or combination, or I might have to do just rock and pop. And, and so I was blessed that I liked so many styles of music, played those styles of music as a club band, because you always had to learn the latest, you know, you know, uh, hit music, so to speak. Right. And you learn so much and you have so many influences. So licensing gave me that ability to go, oh, yeah, I'll write you a song that sounds like Justin Bieber. Or I'll, I'll write you a song that sounds like, you know, um, you know Five Finger, you know, Death Punch or whatever it might be. I could do that. And but my first love was electronic with Brock and really doing the dance songs. I think that's and, incredible. I mean, that was my favorite. It still is. Um, but when I had to start doing some orchestral stuff for some of the licensing, I someone told me that I was really good at it. And I thought, well, I'm really good at dance. I'm really good. At, you know, and they're like, yeah, you are. But you're trying to compete with so many other artists in there. You should really think about the orchestral stuff. And it just didn't seem sexy to me. But I remember my first orchestral tune that I did, people were just ranting over it. I'm like, well, okay. And so I ended up doing an entire project that I took to uh, Macedonia. Macedonia was recognized as one of the finest places to record. It wasn't on right. the level of Abbey Road, things like that. But yeah, I, uh, I heard what, remember, I'm a rock guy. I'm a pop and you know EDM guy. And so when I heard this orchestra playing my music, and you've got 80 people hammering you with this powerful sound, I was hooked. And I, I don't know how to get people to understand what that's like. So I had success with that project. I had, um, I, I kept finding a way to, you know, for success and people liked it. Next thing I knew it was being submitted for Grammy, not just submitted. It was, you know, it was getting accolades that I never dreamed of. It was getting me tour dates across the country. It was, it was almost too good to be true. And so yeah, I, I mean, the fact you're on all those charts, you're, you literally won every award you've been nominated for. And the fact that you were on the billboard charts so many times, like, it's just unbelievable, almost like the, the, the reach you have. Yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. And but the cool thing is I'm able to make orchestral music uh, mainstream. Um, that's, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of the colleges and uh, things like that, you know, they talk to me a lot about. I, I go talk to their students that, yeah, you're doing violin today, but that doesn't mean you can't plug it up, you know, to electric violin and play rock music and hang upside down from an, you know, the ceiling while you're playing in front of, you know, three or 4,000 people. You can do some really, you can take that training and do so much more. So that's really what I became known for, but I knew I had to step up my game and I wanted to put more sizzle. So I did my first project at Abbey Road with the Royal Philharmonic. Then I so cool. up again, and I went back to, to uh, Abbey, and um, I recorded with the London Symphony. But at the same time, I tried to pick the most famous guitarist, the best guitarist. I tried to pick the most famous drummers, the best drummers. And I just didn't ever want to settle for second best. And right. as you know, it's paid off for a Grammy. In, that, in, in, in between all that, I'm on all these Grammy uh, projects that have won and been nominated or, you know, wherever that falls into the play. Yeah. And so, you know, 
I always tell people, we all know the story of the butterfly that flaps its wings in Africa. And then months later, there's a hurricane in Florida. In other words, everything impacts something else. And that's what happens with my music. I don't, if I hadn't have been in, you know, this goofy kid trying to learn how to play keyboards or guitar in high school, we wouldn't be here. If I we wouldn't be where we are today. Exactly. You wouldn't be doing South by Southwest. You wouldn't be doing Carnegie Hall. You wouldn't, you know, my you wouldn't have my favorite song of yours, Sinners and Saints. There you go. Oh, yeah, thank you. That, my that, favorite that song been very good so, to me. So good. So good. Thank you. Um, that, that song has been extremely good to me for so many reasons. Um, and so now we find ourselves, I've won a Grammy, uh, you know, been part of all these other Grammy albums and now star and i now star's going to win a lot more grammys in her day star's going to play at the oscars star's going to do just obscene things for the rest of her career she always has she scored the biggest movies in the world and she works with the biggest stars in the world and i'm blessed how did you get to that point and you to that point if you don't mind my asking because obviously you're very talented and great at networking was it literally just that just being yourself working hard and these people just come out of the woodwork and they're like, I, I vibe with what you do and I want to hire you. You know, um, what I tell people is, you know, I, I did the best I could. I was blessed to get a really nice project each time. And so once I had a little bit of credibility and because we, you're part of this fraternity called, you know, the Grammys, the recording Academy, it gives you connections. And so when I'm playing with a famous guitarist or a famous drummer or whatever, the reason I was able to do that was I just called them up and said, Hey, are you interested? And all I can do is say no. Well, when they hear yeah, the like words, you have to road, ask. You have to ask. That's the epitome of your story. It's like you have to ask, and then you'll yes. be either said yes or no. Yeah, exactly. If they say no, you move on. I mean, that's kind of how every prom date I had. I just kept asking girls until one of them said yes. Um, <laughs> and oh my God. Yeah, I just, you know, Star and I got to know each other over time, and she liked my music, um, and we said, yeah, let's do this. Partner in crime that we see a whole lot more potential, but not just Grammys. We see a lot of, we see a lot of potential for bigger licensing opportunities, bigger, you know, um, albums and, you know, projects that, may not ever get a Grammy, but it'll have a whole lot more success in so yeah. many other realms. Yeah. Like, uh, like um, for example, with my um, fiance and I, we have our own animation company and we're working on a really big show um, that's an animated television series. And we're looking for a composer and a musical director right now. So if you ever have time, I definitely would love to reach out and send you the information about the Disney star we have signed to the show and all of this. Yeah, just uh, send me the brief and give me the lowdown and what you're looking for. And let's assume it's not something I can do. I guarantee you, I know somebody that's really good. Hell yeah. Well, it's crazy because we're talking to people from Disney right now. We're talking to Netflix. We're talking with a lot of different people. But right now we have 2000s Disney Channel star Jason Dolly attached as the lead. And um, we have some other very famous talent interested in the show. It's just, as you know, you know, it's it's more about the investors and getting the investors interested and hooked, the right people. Yeah, and getting yeah. Anything, you know, rolling Absolutely. that way. I mean, that, um, that's just incredible that you're so dynamic and you're so, um, you just go with the flow. And I think that's why the Grammys and music and 
giving back and performing and Abbey Road and all of these things work out for you. Like you said, like the butterfly effect, because if you didn't start where you started with being, um, you know, in foster care and trying to learn music and all of these things, you wouldn't be at this point. And what I thought was the most inspiring about your story is that you and your wife, who's amazing, um, his wife, Melissa's great woman, so inspiring. You guys have your own kids together um, biologically, and then you also have adopted children. I think that's a really big, a really big thing in society um, that that's not talked about a lot because people say, oh, you should only adopt if like you're infertile or, oh, you should only adopt if like, it's a last resort thing, which is so horrible that, that that's the um, narrative. And I think that more people should have you know, biological because we need to give back to society more. Bingo, giving back. Um, and yeah, my wife is an amazing, uh, an amazing soul on so many levels. And she's so strong. Um, you know, uh, it's safe to talk about it now. It's if, if people pay attention to social media, they know the story. But what people didn't know during Grammy weekend is we weren't going to make it to the Grammys. Our son had our oldest son uh, that we had, um, he had passed away and he had done that just before I left for the Grammys. And so we're trying to decide, do we go, do we not go? So we went, but we didn't tell anybody. We just, we didn't want to bring it distract because it was, you know, a time to celebrate all our friends and peers and music. And uh, what ended up happening was I, you know, win this Grammy, I go backstage, I, someone from the press asked about it, PR said, you know, that's off limits. And, you know, I spent the next two to three hours doing that. And we had our big after party. I think we had about 450. I know the I tried to was, get over there, but I was on stage with Flo Rida at the main event. Oh, well, hey, more power to you. That was <laughs> next a little year, more next yeah. So we literally, after the party, you know, we went back upstairs to at the, in the hotel, packed our bags, went straight to the airport, flew back to Oklahoma City, didn't even go home. We went straight to the funeral home for the viewing. And the next morning was the funeral. I'm so and sorry to about watch that. my so wife sorry. navigate that, to watch my wife to support me in an iconic moment. And then compartmentalize that she's, you know, we got a very son and she was just amazing and inspiring to watch her to, like I say, navigate all those emotions. Uh, people I'm better really take sorry that. that happened to you all. That's really horrible. And I'm really sorry that you lost him. It's never, you know, an easy situation to lose a family member, let alone a child, you know? Sure. Sure. But I think that, it's just amazing how so many emotions existed within a 48, 72 hour period. And I think, I think, I think it's brave of both of you, you know, uh, Melissa and her beautiful gown and you and your tux going to the events and seeing all the photos of you with all the other inspirational independent artists and all these people. And it's just, it's just crazy to have seen this and see that side of the story and then see how brave you were underneath that, because you definitely are, are really good about, um, ex being in the moment and experiencing the moment. And I think that I didn't know your son and I, I don't know anything about him, but I, I am literally positive that he would have been really proud of you and he would have wanted Absolutely. that to happen. Absolutely. And if you'll remember during my uh, acceptance speech, I dedicated that acceptance speech to Austin and everybody wanted to know who's Austin. And we just wouldn't tell them, not that weekend. 
Uh, I think that was, I remember you saying Austin. I was like, that must be one of his kids because I I knew that you adopted younger um children. I knew that you already had children, so I figured it's one of those children. I thought that's that's yeah. what I. Yeah. So you know, I think it all came together really well. But where we started that was my amazing wife, and she is that. I think that's incredible, and it's it's just beyond words. And I'm I'm really sorry you lost him. Was it was it very sudden or was it expected? If I may ask. No, it, it was very sudden. It was very unexpected. Oh my god, Ugh. I'm so just I'm so sorry for that, but I'm so inspired and so invigorated yeah, by that I message. Think it is inspiration. You did that. Uh, his death wasn't for nothing. Um, he was a great kid, um, and uh, we're we're so blessed to have had him in our life, and we did. Yeah, that, I think that we have to be more grateful for those situations that we have and to have those um, moments in life. And I think that um, at the end of the day, people like you are the ones who are going to continue being successful, not just in entertainment, music, whatever, but just in society. You know, there's those people who let everything break them down and let everything beat down on them. And there's those people who use what they've been through to bolster themselves um, and really bring themselves up in life and it, it's hard to be in one of the situations like this is nothing similar but my uncle um was uh killed right before i graduated high school and it was really hard because like my mom and dad like like just like you they didn't want to like go around telling people about it because like graduation and you know we didn't want to bring anyone down and like just just walking um on the stage and just like how accepting that degree and stuff without him was very um jarring because i like saved a seat for him like we planned everything around him and it was just so jarring like that's the only way i know how to say it when, when yeah. you know like the seat was empty like he wasn't there and and i can't imagine that being like my kid and being in that position and still getting on that stage accepting that award um speaking for him i think that's just so brave and awesome of you and like i literally didn't even know that and, like i think it's really brave that you just talked about that just now and i think you should totally um use that as a moment in life to reflect on everything you've done and your family. It's, it's really incredible. Yeah. We, we, uh, like I said, we're blessed, you know, the life we live and we're blessed in how we're able to navigate Austin's you know, death. In fact, we, we didn't get to say, Oh my gosh, we won a Grammy until three or four days later. <laughs> oh my and, God. Uh, but that, you know, in a way it made it a little sweeter, uh, gave us a chance to appreciate it a little more. So I appreciate all the kind words and you clearly know whether it's the same circumstances or not, when you don't expect to lose somebody and you do, and you've yeah. got another, you know, another pivotal moment in your life at the same time, it's you, you're, you're, you're dancing around a lot of, you know. Yeah. Uh, like my, it was my mom's brother. So when that happened to my uncle, it was like, it was my uncle, you know, but for my mom, it was her brother, which is obviously much. Yeah. 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 It was just very hard to see and experience. And like, I couldn't imagine your situation. Like that was just graduating high school, being given the degree, walking down the stage. Like I couldn't imagine giving a whole speech and like, you know, being so emotional and, and really um, reining in the, the mixed emotions while that happens. And I think that um, that's part of why I think I gravitate to you. So um, immediately when I met you is because you're just someone who's really kind, really genuine and really empathetic. There's so many people in this world who are just, all about themselves or they just really don't get like what life is all about and you just seem like 
you really understand what life is about and you're grateful for every single thing that you get in life. And I try to be that way every day. And, you know, I want to yeah. live my life that way. Cause I was, I, I really had to choose my friends and, and take a lot of people out of my life. When I, when I started on this music journey, when I was 18, because people will judge me, people made fun of me, people um, bullied me online, told me to, you know, um, commit suicide and that type of stuff. Oh my and, gosh. You know, really people I thought were my friends. They'd make fun of me. They'd like post my music videos and like, be laughing at it in a video and like i i had made music since i was 13 14 obviously not professionally or released it but like just posting my little things on youtube and twitter and stuff people were so bothered by that and i was like i can't have these people around me if i'm going to get to the level where i'm in la doing all this stuff you know living in dc people aren't very creative so i was very like stifled creatively and um just experiencing that and the the sheer number of people I thought were my friends continuing to turn on me. I was like, these people were never my friends. They're just people who don't know what life is about and they don't know how to um, accept others and, and, and welcome others and uh, support others messages. And this was before, you know, Instagram was big thing and TikTok and all that. So like people didn't see different people. They just thought like, Oh, you're weird. Cause you do music, you know? Yeah. I think that's a blessing of, of social media. There's a lot of downside, but Social media gives us an opportunity to be ourselves, and those who can identify gravitate towards that. If they don't, they don't have to pay attention to it. Yeah, if they um, don't, they don't have to follow. Exactly. But the, but the option's there and you're there. And I think you have a big following because you just post such inspirational stuff from the story behind Adoption Story album to everything about your wife and your children and, you know, your you're um, touring. I think it's great, like a great forum for updates, social media, because some people are just so private. They're like, I don't want to share my kids. I don't want to share, you know, this and that because people are going to come for me. It's like, no, you have to create that community where people feel respect for you and they want to know about your life and your updates. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And let me just say, you're you're extremely wise beyond your years. Now, most people don't figure that out till they're much older. And so that I means a lot. You're making that, all that, the that, that means a lot because for a long time, like I always felt like, like even though I'm 25, I always felt like I'm much older than everyone else just because I kind of have an old soul. And like you said, which is very kind, like I'm, you know, um, wise beyond my years, as people say and all that. But it's like I feel like because I've been through so much, like especially with the online bullying and like being out there um, with my reality shows that I've been on and that type of stuff. I've really seen like the incredible and the horrible sides of people. And I think it's very similar to your experience probably in music where people will be like, Oh, fuck you. I hate your music or, or something like, Oh my God, I love your music. It helped me to decide to get off that bridge and not jump and not, not do that act against myself. Like I literally have had both sides tell me things like that, but you know, there's always going to be people saying they love you. Always going to be people saying they hate you. So you just have to choose to be around the people who support you and who see what you're doing. Well, you know, here's the thing. When adoption story first came out, it was hammered by a certain group the first group of critics that got a hold of it it was elementary it was predictable it was i mean anything you can imagine you don't want to hear about your music they gave it to me right and so i'm kind of getting the last laugh on that no you really are though because it's like oh you think my music shit look at this grammy in my hand like just like literally not to be like crude but it's like straight up like you want to say this is bad clearly my peers in the academy didn't think it was too bad <laughs> like, yeah. you know it's like it's like if you were accredited to vote on this you would have probably voted that you wanted it too you're just salty you don't have a vote yeah i you know you gotta you, you just gotta have faith in yourself 
and hope I that totally others... agree with that. And I think that's a big part of like, my my journey is like understanding you don't have to be in the middle of the city. You don't have to be in the middle of, you know, um, the craziness to be successful. Like when I met you, I was like, wow, this guy literally lives in Oklahoma City and he does music on this level. Like what, everything I learned from society telling me what you could do or not was like, oh, well, if you live outside of Hollywood, you can't do music. You can't be a Grammy winning artist and you can't you know, be a billboard charting artist. You can't be a Playboy bunny, all this stuff people say. But it's like, when I look through your social media, I see you traveling all around the world and doing everything you need to do. And that's a huge inspiration. And also like, I also am very fit. I go to the gym five times a week, four hours a day. So when I see your posts about that, I'm like, this guy really puts in the work. You know, it's, it's, real, it's a real deal. Yeah, I, I'm glad you, you recognize the value of being in shape as well. And I know that that's a, huge part of who you are in, in you know, just the whole process of what you do day to day. So that's great. Yeah. And everything I see from your page, I'm always like, wow, like, yeah, like day to day, you really got to take care of yourself. And um, when my friend Robert Iback took me to your event, we were talking about you and he's like, oh my God, you're going to love Kit. Like, and he's going to totally love you because you guys have the same energy. And I was like, okay, you know, people say that type of stuff a lot. But then when I actually got introduced to you, I was like, holy shit, this guy's like, this guy is legit. Like you just really, you just really nail every single project you do. And you have that great energy. And even when I see like your promo shots on Instagram for FYC and all of that stuff for the Grammys, it's like, you really put so much work into everything, your photo shoots, your album covers, your music, obviously your, um, your reach online, you know, supporting your, your friends and family and, and supporting, um, uh studio seven media and all of that stuff i think it's really cool that you just have so much i really did like a deep dive on you once i met you and i was like this guy has so much to offer the world he's not just like one of those fake you know bullcrap people that you meet in the industry you're you're a real deal and i realized that the recording academy is filled with really incredible people like yourself and pe people who are very jealous of the grammys and the recording academy they're like oh yeah that's all like it's all a circle jerk. It's all fake. It's all like paid promotion. It's like, that's not true. Like the people in this community want to support each other. Absolutely. Um, we're all, we all can identify with what we're trying to do day to day. And uh, yeah, it'd be extremely irresponsible to think of it any other way, but that's just, that's people. Oh, who I fully know. agree. Um, it's, you know, in a respectful way, that's ignorance and there's nothing yes. you can do about ignorance. Yes, the only thing you can do about ignorance is the same thing. Ignore. Ignorance, ignore. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Yes, yes, and there's a reason the museum is going to have a whole exhibit on you one day. I'm going to say, that's my friend. My <laughs> there will be. I'm manifesting oh. Right oh, now, man. I'm manifesting it. It will be you. It will be, like, Lady Gaga. It will be... <laughs> you yeah, you, I, I like the world you're living in. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And it's been a really um, great pleasure to interview you. And I would love to wrap up the show by talking about some of your ultimate goals. Like, obviously, you've got you've won multiple Grammys. You've won a lot of other awards, you know, not to mention that um, you have a great family. You have an incredibly beautiful home and a wonderful travel schedule. What is up ahead next in the next five to 10 years for Kit Wakely Music? What, what, what is next? Yeah, the first thing is we're going to deviate a little bit. Um, well, first, let me start this. Um, you know, I've got a new album that's coming out, Orchestral Rock. And once we understand, you know, uh, the demographics of that, we'll, we'll be plotting out the different tour dates. 
Um, and then simultaneously, I'm working on, I think, four or five major projects that are, you know, being submitted for Grammys. And quite frankly, I think all four or five have significant chance uh, because of the people that are involved and the quality of the music to be, to be at least nominated. Um, simultaneously, I'm working on a, a uh, I would call it a short independent film, but I would say high budget. And what they want to do is they want to take the 23 minute soundtrack, which is the album, and they want to create a visual of that album on film, but with no dialogue, just visuals wow. of very powerful cinematography. Um, and so I'm, I'm eager to sit in on meetings and see what they have in mind. And you know, as well as I do, we can march up that hill as hard as we can. Nothing's going to happen, but it doesn't always pan out. But right now, that is the plan. I think that's amazing. And um, I totally forgot to mention that you worked with one of my favorite guitarists of all time, um, Joe Satriani. Like, I, yeah. I didn't even mention that earlier. Like, obviously, you've worked with so many celebrities, so many great artists. But I think that there's something to be said for that because he's um, he's won one of the greatest lawsuits in music history, actually. My lawyer taught me about that. Is this one against Coldplay? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well documented. And, uh, I mean, I just think I think it's great that he just really like represented his music and didn't let people steal it from him. And I think that's sorry, sorry to go off the tangent of this, but no, I forgot no, to mention no. it. I think it's really honorable you work with people like that who want to defend music IP because like I've had people literally rip stuff from my music and put it in commercials and stuff online, and I literally had to send them like a cease and desist. And luckily they took it down. But it's like so many people in our society don't realize the value and like the cost of making music. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. We've got a mutual friend right now that's dealing with that. There's a major artist that took his song, and it's, I mean, it is his. And he's got to figure out what he's going to do about it. Um, because I saw the teaser, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's my buddy's song. Yeah. That song just got nominated for a Grammy. How can this guy think he's going to take this song and, and rip it off? But I'm not really sure where that's going to go. I, I'm, I'm going to, it's going to be interesting to watch that play out. No, I mean, that that's going to be definitely interesting. I think that a big part of music is is the legal side and the um, the business side. And a lot of people don't see that side. And it seems like you really have a good handle on that. I mean, obviously, you've been in the industry so long, but just having that awareness of um, uh, your intellectual property and your creative rights is really important. You know, uh, I think that's the other part we forget about. Uh, we're musicians, but we, we better figure out how to be business people as well. And I think with your education, you've got that already figured out. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I'm, I'm always looking to work with new producers, new composers, new creatives. So if you ever know anyone you think would be great to work with for me, like definitely give me a ring slash text. Yeah. <laughs> I would also love to be put on like your event list because I feel like I did not get told about your party until you messaged me and I missed your message. I wanna, I wanna have a heads up so I can come to your things. Come uh, well, we'll make sure you're on every guest list. And quite frankly, if you're not, just show up and say I know Kit. Well, <laughs> let me know because I never know when and where things are, and I want to come support you. Yeah, oh, that's kind. Oh my god, no, for real. Like you're, you're awesome for throwing these events. I'd love to introduce you to my fiance, and he um, works on a lot of my music. He's the creator of this entire animated series, Winds of a Koshu, that um Disney. Oh so yeah, yeah. I'd love to introduce you. Um, it Absolutely. was really awesome having you on the show. 
Um, you're you're an incredible guy, and I look forward to all of the events and all of the um, amazing amazing things coming up for you and for for um, all of us at the Grammys. There's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot of um, incredible just networking coming up and and great events. And I, I'm really grateful for you coming on the shows. Oh, I'm honored. I, I, I'm flattered, and uh, I, I don't take these things for granted. Well, I don't either. Like, if you ever need me for anything, you let me know. If you ever need a badass rapper chick for a song, let me know. Trust me, you're in the arsenal. I love knowing stuff like that. I know. I love knowing people like you, too, because it's like the second I need something, I'm like, hey, I'm going to hit you up. Because my producer, Darth Vader, which is a great name, by the way, he um he mostly works in, like, drill slash trap slash pop. But I'm trying to also really experiment with just true 90s rap and true hip-hop um which i did a lot with my mentor paperboy and um you know right now he's not in the best place mentally to work like he's kind of um i guess you could say retired technically but i'm really looking for more people to work with so like hit me up like put me in your arsenal as you say and um i hope you have a great rest of the night and i hope everyone loves this episode don't forget to stream his music kit wakely on all platforms and follow him kit wakely on all social media that is great. I appreciate the fact you'd have me. Thank you so much. Of course. Have a great rest of your night. Bye.